if uh, you don't know me, I have a bunch of kids. Uh, and my youngest uh, is two. Anybody here have two-year-old or younger, young kids? Uh, they get into everything, amen? Everything. We've got locks on cabinets and drawers and those little door handle things you put on the door handle so they can't get into every room or the closet. We have a bunch of, you know, board games and things and he'll go in there and open the door and just start ripping them down and throwing them all over the floor. And, um, and then his brothers, I make his brothers go pick them up. And so they definitely don't want to do that. Um, but what he's gotten lately to do is he likes to go and find food and go somewhere, hide, and eat it. Uh, we walked in the other day, uh, <laughs> literally, he had only been away from us three seconds, okay? We were in the living room, he walked around the corner to the kitchen, and we don't hear money, much noise, and when you have kids and you don't hear much noise, it's not a blessing or a relief, it's suspicious. And so, what's going on? So we run in the kitchen, and he's in the kitchen, and he has pulled out a Klondike bar out of the freezer, and it's half gone, chocolate all over his face. The wrapper's strewn about the floor, and he's just looking at us like, well, it's open. I can get it. You know, so we said, okay, well, I guess that's your Klondike bar. Now, no dessert later. That's yours. Well, what he's gotten to do lately is I'll, when I come home from work, I bring my bag, and when I bring my computer, I don't always bring my computer home, but when I do, I just get my bag, and uh, I, he, I've discovered he likes to pull things out of my bag, searching for, I've got gum in my bag, searching for gum. And he likes to, what he likes to do is he likes to chew the gum and then put it back in my bag in different places. Whether it's in the computer pocket or it's with my notebook or it's with my mask. One day I put my mask on and I wondered why it was sticky and smelled like gum and that was why. And so he'll, he'll, he does this. And uh, so I'll, I'll put my bag in the front room and shut the door. I'll put it in our room and shut the door. I had been putting it just, you know, in the kitchen area. I just come in and drop it. And, but then we discovered him doing this. Well, I put it in the front room this one day, uh, this past week, actually. It was like Monday. And uh, Hope, she's our four-year-old. Uh, about to be five in just a couple weeks, which is hard to believe. But she came running in there and said, Daddy, 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 eat. come to the front room, come to the front room. And if you have, you know, you've got kids and they ask you to come and do something and you're in the middle of, like, I think I was doing the dishes. And I said, I'll be there in a minute. No, no, come to the front room. And I said, it's okay. I thought she just wanted me to go and, you know, play dollhouse or something. And I said, okay, I'll come in a minute. Let me, I got to finish washing this. I said, no, come quick. I said, hope, just Wait. And uh, so I finished, and then I went in there and followed her in there, and she goes, look, and there was Ethan with five pieces of gum, not in my bag, in the carpet. <laughs> and uh, I, at first, I apologized to Hope, getting frustrated, because she was really trying to help me. Uh, but he had gone in there and was just destroying everything. I think my computer was out, and my notebook, was pages were missing, and, uh, and uh, I discovered, well, I can't leave my bag in that room anymore, but... Uh, there was a misunderstanding between me and my child because I was not understanding what she was saying. I always wanted to focus on my thing and not wanting to understand her and go with her. I just wanted to get my deal done, and then I would go and take care of business. Uh, but how often do we, are we so focused on what we're involved in that we misunderstand when somebody else is really just trying to help us out, right? Well, we're going to see that very thing here in Luke chapter 24, which is where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 24, about a misunderstanding, about some confusion that went on here right at the beginning of this situation. 
If you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screens. Uh, if you're using one on the pew rack there, uh, it's on page 884. You can grab that and use that. If you don't have a Bible, take that Bible home with you. That's free gift. That's yours. Easter present. Happy Easter. Take it home. Uh, and, and you can have that uh, there. Luke chapter 24. You see, Jesus did his ministry for a couple of years. Uh, then he fulfilled his whole purpose. He was arrested. He was uh, uh, tried. And then he was crucified, executed. And he gave up his spirit. If you've been following along with the uh, daily devotions we've been doing this week about what happened every day of Easter week, um, it's been a great conversation in our house with our kids. Oh, I didn't realize that happened on Easter week. I didn't know Jesus died at 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon, which is when they sacrificed the sacrificial lambs for Passover, and Jesus died at that moment as well. And he gave up his spirit, and he died that day on Friday. Uh, and then Jesus' body was taken and put in a tomb. And it was put in a tomb quickly uh, because sunset was coming. And at, when sun, the sun set on Friday, that was the beginning of the Sabbath. And so they had to get the body down and in the tomb before Sabbath started or they wouldn't be able to participate in worship on the Sabbath because they would then be, worship, they'd be working on the Sabbath. And so Jesus' body was taken down, put in the tomb, uh, and then on the Sabbath they didn't do anything. And then uh, so Saturday passed, Sunday morning came, uh, and that's where we arrive here in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. These are some of the women who had been following Jesus. They, and taking some spices they had prepared. Verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed by this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Several interesting things here. So the stone had been rolled in front of the mouth of the tomb. And what happened actually on Saturday is the, the Pharisees and chief priests had gone to Pilate. They said, hey, Pilate, some guys are going to come. His disciples are going to come and steal his body and just start spreading this rumor that he rose from the dead. So let's put some guards. Let's roll the stone. Let's seal the stone so nobody can say this. Pilate said, fine, do it. Do whatever you want. So they rolled the stone. They sealed the stone. They posted a guard. Sunday morning shows up. The women are on the way to the tomb. And when they get there, they discover the stone has been rolled back. We learn from another gospel that the guards who were posted there fell on the ground and played possum, acted like dead men because they were scared out of their mind. And the women come up on this scene, and they look in the tomb, and the body's gone. They had been there Friday. They watched them take the body and put it in the tomb. And so they get there, and the body's gone, and so they don't quite know what to think. And so what it says there in verse 4, they were perplexed by this. Now, I don't know how often you use perplexed in your everyday vocabulary, uh, but I looked it up in the word that they use here in the original language. It means intense confusion resulting in great anxiety. So it wasn't just that they were confused by the situation. It produced in them great anxiety. His body is gone. What in the world are we going to do? And so they're standing there. And then all of a sudden, it says two men in, in dazzling apparel stood next to them. And who, who are these guys? They're angels, right? So angels suddenly appear there, which would undoubtedly frighten them even more. Look at verse 5, which is what they did. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? The anxiety that they had had, being perplexed, caused this intense fear at the sudden appearance of the angels. Now I find it interesting too. 
Almost every single time that angels appear in Scripture to an individual, they say, do not fear. It's like the first thing they say. But the angels this time don't say it. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, if you have have read much of Scripture uh, or the Gospels, what is fascinating to me is Jesus tells his disciples over and over and over again, guys, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to raise from the dead. And then when it happens, the disciples don't know what to do. They acted like they didn't know it was going to happen. But Jesus had told them over and over and over again, it's going to happen. What's, what's great is the Pharisees and chief priests had remembered and believed Jesus was going to do it. That's why they put the guard and the stone and the seal there. But his own disciples didn't believe it. So this happened, and the, the, the angels say to the women, why are you even here? He told you this was going to happen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse 6, he is not here but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and on the third day rise. And so the angels tell the women here, he told you this was going to happen. Don't you remember how he said he was already going to do this? You came with burial spices to to, uh, uh, honor the dead, but he told you he was not going to be dead. You shouldn't have even gone to first century Walmart and bought that stuff. He wasn't going to be here. And so the angels are kind of chastising them. Why are you even here? He's not here. He is risen. And then at that moment, they remember the words. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. And now it's easy to look down on not just these women, but his disciples and say, guys, why did you miss this? But how often does God tell us something or we read something in Scripture and it completely flies over our head or in one ear and out the other? And then sometime later, we get it again and we're like, oh, I get it now. But here these guys are and they miss it just like we often do. The women, they miss it just like we often do. And then all of a sudden here in verse 8, they remember it. As they're experiencing it, they remember Jesus said this, verse 9. Verse nine. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, the disciples, and to all the rest. We learn later on in the book of Acts, there was about 120 disciples left of Jesus. Everyone else had abandoned him. Everyone else had run away. His teaching was too hard and difficult. It was too scary because he arrest, got arrested and was crucified. There was 120 left. So this, the eleven disciples, Judas has at this point killed himself, So there's the 11 disciples and the rest of Jesus' followers. They're all assembled here. And these women come running to them and tell them what the angels, angels appeared to us. He's not here. Remember, he told us before he was going to raise from the dead. He actually did it. And so they go and they tell this to the disciples. Uh, Verse 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Now, Luke, the one who wrote this gospel, he, he says the words they said were an idle tale. It was almost like what they were saying was too amazing to believe. Have you, has someone ever told you something or you heard somebody say something or heard, you know, somebody say something that somebody else said something, somebody else said something about an experience that they had with God and you said, well, yeah, at least you didn't say this out loud, but maybe in the back of your mind you thought, yeah, that's not real. That's, that, that's too amazing to be believed. Like that's, that, you got to really stretch reality to believe what happened to them. And we, we do this sometimes 
But when we do it, even in the back of our minds, we're questioning how God can speak to somebody else. And there's a danger in that. I don't know if any of you were here several years ago, we had Don Piper come to the church. Don Piper, who wrote 90 Minutes in Heaven. He was dead for, 90, for an hour and a half. I mean, his body parts were in different parts of the car. He was dead. But then he came back to life. And I can't tell you, um, I've known Don for many, many years. Many people disbelieved his story. Actually, he writes in his book, he was sitting in the hospital. He was afraid to tell his own wife what he experienced because he himself didn't really understand it. It was hard for him to believe it, and he experienced it. And so we see these disciples hear these women say, he's alive and angels spoke to us. And now at this point in Israel's history, that kind of thing hasn't happened for like 400 years. God showing up, prophets showing up, angels showing up. It hasn't happened with the exception of Jesus' mother Mary and Joseph. It hasn't happened. And so now all of a sudden it's happened. I mean, that would be right now, it's, it's 2021, 400 years ago. If something hasn't happened since 1721 and somebody runs in the room and said, it's happened again, we'd have a hard time believing that. We really would. I mean, if you're being honest. And now these women, some women they've trusted, some women they've heard stories about, some women they've seen God work in their lives in incredible ways. Now they run in the room and they say, angels appeared and Jesus is alive. And the disciples, the ones who are supposed to, you know, be the big dogs of the faith, think, yeah, no, <laughs> okay, you're a little crazy. That's too much to be believed. We don't believe this. We don't believe it. We just can't believe it. Look at verse 12. In response to this testimony from these women, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So Peter, and we learn from the Gospel of John, John went as well. They got to the tomb. They saw Jesus wasn't there. They saw the burial clothes laying there on the, the, the place where Jesus' body had been. And they saw the stone rolled back. Now, from what the Gospels tell us, they didn't see the angels. But it still says Peter marveled at this. It was amazing. But the indication we get from what Luke writes here, he still didn't believe it had happened. Say, like, okay, part of the girl's story is true. There's no body. And he, he says, okay, that is pretty incredible. But he doesn't quite yet believe Jesus rose from the dead. Look down at verse 36. They were talking about these things, the disciples again. And Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, a ghost. Literally, that verse, verse 37, this is what that means literally. But having been startled into terror and having become greatly fearful, they were assuming that they saw a ghost. And so the disciples, even seeing Jesus, don't think it's Jesus. They think it's a ghost. They don't even believe in ghosts. And they think it's a ghost. And they're in this room, and it's, it's what they're experiencing from the hand of God is too much for them to take in. And they're there, and they're experiencing, and they're experiencing it together. And I, I, I love the whole scenario here. 
they're in this room. They're, they've locked themselves in the room for fear the Romans are going to come and arrest them too and crucify them too. And so they've locked themselves in this room. And I know when we read stories and we read scriptures, sometimes we project our personality and how we would do a situation onto the people there. And so for me, I picture Jesus being like, all right, this is going to be fun. And he just drops in the room. Boom, peace to you. And the guys just lose it. I mean, I, I, you know, I see John diving under a table and Peter jumping behind James, you know, and they're just trying to get away from the Jesus in the middle of the room all of a sudden. And it's just beyond anything they can comprehend. Thinking they saw a ghost, verse 38. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Did, when you were a kid, did your parents ever not punish you and just say, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed? And that like ripped the heart right out of your chest. Well, here Jesus jumps in the room and he says to them, why do you doubt what I told you guys? I told you I was going to raise from the dead. Why do you doubt that I'm even standing here and you think it's a ghost? Why are you doubting this? Talk about, for me, if, that, if I was one of the disciples, I'm thinking this is deeply convicting here. It says, why do you doubt? Verse 39, see my hands, see my feet, it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So he showed them the holes from the nails from the cross, which is interesting, that even in his resurrected body, he still had signs of what he went through here on earth. And we can think about, we can parse that 15 different ways from Sunday. But I think the holes were still there in his resurrected body because that experience glorified God even on into eternity. So I see, look guys, I've got the holes. I, it's me. But look at what they did. Verse 41. And while they still disbelieved for joy, they were marveling. And he said to them, have you anything to eat? So look at that verse for a second. They disbelieved for joy. So they had joy. They experienced joy in the moment. But really, they didn't trust the joy or the amazement that was rising up within them that they were experiencing. You know, they'd been disappointed before. <laughs> they thought Jesus was the Messiah and he died. And so all that joy they had just evaporated. And now here they see Jesus standing before them and they, they want to believe, but they're so afraid to put their trust in the fact that he's alive because they don't want the rug to be ripped out from under them again. You ever experienced that? Like you're afraid to experience the joy. You're afraid to experience the potential happiness and the possibility of what could be. And you don't want to fully trust it because it might be ripped from your hands. Kind of a deal. And so it says there, they disbelieve for joy. And then, then he asked that interesting question, have you anything to eat? Verse 42. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. The idea being... Ghosts can't eat food. And so Jesus was saying, okay, you don't believe me when I appear. You don't believe me when you see the holes. You don't believe me when you're touching me. Give me some food, and I'll show you I can eat it. And so he ate the fish. And they believed him at that point. And then Jesus spent several weeks with them. 
teaching them, instructing them. Because he, he had told them before, I was gonna, I'm going to raise from the dead. And then he was telling them during this period, I'm about to leave you guys. And then God's going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to help you in telling everyone in the world about me, which is why we're here today. He says, so just get ready for that moment. And so the time comes, down in verse 50, for him to leave. And he led them out as far as Bethany. It's about a mile, mile and a half away. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So now they've got the joy, trusting the joy, embracing the joy. They were continually in the temple, blessing God. So that joy they did not trust before, they are now fully embracing. They have kind of flipped the script. Jesus flipped the script on them. They are trusting in Jesus and understanding Jesus never disappoints. He may not deliver in the way we anticipate because whether we say it or not, we have expectations of how we want God to plan out our life and do stuff for us. And he may not do what we want him to do because I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not God. Just a heads up, maybe if you're married, your spouse can let you in on that little secret. If you're a parent, you can tell your kids. Uh, Kids, don't be in the heat of a moment, scream at your parents, you're not God, don't do that. It's disrespecting your parents, bad, bad on you. But they were trusting in God in this moment, knowing Jesus never disappoints. Whereas before, they had disappointment, really because their trust was placed somewhere it should not have been. Disappointment arises when I place my faith in the expectation of a situation. When I put my faith in how I anticipate a situation should go and it doesn't go that way, I get disappointed. Because in the moment, my faith really isn't in Jesus, it's in the situation. And so disappointment arises. Misunderstanding can also develop from assumptions that I make about God's plan. So the disciples misunderstood Jesus, even though he laid it out plainly, I'm going to rise from the dead. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And they misunderstood it, still. But even when we make assumptions about God's plan, there develops misunderstanding. There develops develops disappointment. There develops that same thing those women had at the tomb, perplexity. That great anxiety developing from intense confusion. They were with Jesus here. That's the difference between being in the room when Jesus showed up and then being afraid uh, and thinking it's, he's a ghost to now embracing the joy and walking with the joy. They're with Jesus. They see Jesus. They're praising Jesus. Really, their entire life has, is now refocused on Jesus. They're not focused on their situation anymore. They're not focused on their assumptions about how their situation should be anymore. They're just focused on Jesus and they're trusting him that day for that day's daily bread and that moment and what's going to happen next. They're just trusting Jesus with that. They're not trying to anticipate step 15 when they're only on step three. They're trusting Jesus with step three and four and letting him take care of the rest. They're trusting him. They're trusting him. And and, and all that fear and all that confusion has been transformed into joy now. Fear and uncertainty become joy and blessing with a refocused faith on Jesus. All that uncertainty, all that 
perplexity and, and, not, and anxiety and not knowing what's going to come has been transformed into joy because they still don't know what's going to come. They have no idea that all but one of them is going to be executed for their faith in terrible and painful ways. They have no idea that that, that that day is coming. One of them is going to die just a couple months after this. They don't know that. But they are leaving that up to God, leaving that up to Jesus. They are allowing their joy to develop, their uh, a blessing as they go there, and they bless the Lord there in verse 53, to develop because they are focusing on Jesus. You know, sometimes in our lives, maybe this isn't you, maybe it's just me, we go through a situation and we may focus on Jesus for a moment and we experience joy for a moment. We experience joy momentarily and then life hits and the joy seems to be washed away. Does that ever happen to anybody? Anybody? You experience joy for a moment and then life hits. Like you walk outside and it's raining and it just washes the joy away. Some people say reality. Back to reality. And you get overwhelmed by that but what you read if you I encourage you to go back and read the book of Acts and you see this in the life of Peter and Paul even though they faced terrible terrible things death threats at every turn Paul was even stoned to death at one point they walked in joy even in the midst of all of that even in the midst of people hating them and verbally saying it constantly. There was joy in what they experienced, not because of what they experienced, but because of where their focus was. They were focused on Jesus. And so we can ask ourselves, okay, well, I know there's been moments where I experienced joy, but then it leaves me, and I don't have it. How can I keep my joy? How can I keep it? Joy really, joy is both attained and retained, with a focused faith, with Jesus being the focus of our faith. Joy is attained and retained when Jesus is the focus of our faith. Let me give you an illustration. Where's Micah at? Micah, come on, help me out. Micah is going to be Jesus for us. I asked him this morning if he would help me with the illustration, and he looked at me and I said, you get to be Jesus. Oh, then always, always. I'll be. It's not my first time. <laughs> Is that pride comes before a fall? Isn't that in Scripture? So anyway, uh, here's Jesus. All right, here's Jesus. Looks like him. This is how you thought Jesus would look, right? right? Don't laugh. Come on. <laughs> um, this is going to represent the protection of Jesus, the joy of Jesus. If I get close to Jesus, I'm under his protection. It can be raining and storming and going nuts out here, but I get close to Jesus, and I experience the protection. I experience the care. But what ends up happening, at least in my life, and I anticipate many of yours, because I've talked to many of you, is you get close to it and you're experiencing that joy and you feel good in the moment, right? You, f you start to get revved up. I feel great. I've got the joy. And you're going to go out and attack the world now with that joy. And then you step out and the world starts hitting you with all its mess and all its difficulty and all its rain and all its storms and the joy is gone. You don't know why. I, I just had the joy. I was over here, and I was singing that one song that always gives me that joy. In truth, it's not the song that gives you the joy. It's Jesus. But sometimes we, we, we think it's the song, and so we, honestly, we start to put our faith in the song. 
Or we start to put our faith in, I have to be wearing that shirt, or I have to be wearing that kind of shoes, or I have to be sitting in that particular spot in the sanctuary, and man, they got that pew taped off this Sunday, and I can't sit there. So I can't experience Jesus. There you go. Jesus is right there, Olivia, just like he is over there. That's right. And so I get close to Jesus, and I can experience his joy and his protection and his cover. And then I can walk out here, and I feel like it's gone. And I think, how can I, how can I keep it? I just got to keep coming over here. But what I don't realize, as a follower of Jesus, I carry Jesus with me. And so everywhere I go, his joy is there. But the thing is, I've got to keep my focus on Jesus. As soon as I take my focus off of Jesus, I start walking out here where he's not. I start walking where he hasn't gone yet. And I can get close to the edge. Like many Sundays, some of you think I'm going to fall right off of this thing. And I will one day because I'm not close to Jesus. And you fall right off the cliff and you're down there and you're wondering, how did I get here? Because I wandered away from Jesus. And I didn't take him with me. He's there offering the protection constantly. And the way that I keep it and the way that I experience that joy everywhere I go is I bring him with me. He's already there. But is my focus on him or on something else? Is my focus on him or on my situation, on the experience, on how bad the storm is, on how bad the rain is, on how bad my health is, on how bad that thing is that person said on social media, on how bad that thing is that person whispered about me that I heard, but they didn't think I heard, but I heard it, how bad my bank account is, how bad my job is, how bad my lack of a job is. If I focus on all of those things and don't focus on Jesus, then yeah, my joy is gone. There's no wonder it's gone because I'm putting my faith in stuff it doesn't need to be in. My faith can't be in my bank account. That's temporary. My faith can't be in my job. That's temporary. My faith can't be in my kids taking care of me when I, when I need to be taken care of someday. That's temporary. My faith can't be in anything but Jesus. None of that stuff's going to offer me joy. None of it. May you offer temporary happiness, but happiness isn't the same as joy. Because if I've got Jesus and I've got the protection, even out there in the storm, even out there when things are terrible and crazy and nasty and bad, I can still have joy. Because I've got Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so we have to look in ourselves and discover that joy comes from Jesus. Joy comes from Jesus. I have to realize I can carry the benefits of Jesus with me. I can take Jesus with me. Joy can be for more than a moment when I allow Jesus' influence to be for more than a moment. I have to allow Jesus' influence on me to be for more than a moment. And then the joy is for more than a moment. And so you have to ask yourself this morning, do you want joy? Do you want it? I mean, do you really want it? Do you like experiencing this world without hope? And without joy? I would imagine no. You need Jesus to have joy. And if you don't have Jesus today, this is that moment. There is no better day to come to know Jesus than today. 
Whether it's Easter or not, it's always today. You can come to know Jesus today, and hey, you know what? You can get baptized. Mike Micah said, the water is warm. You say, I don't, I don't, I'm wearing my Easter shirt. Hey, man, we got shirts right back there behind that door. We'll give you a shirt. We got all kinds. Well, not, we got two kinds, so you can have one of those two. We can baptize you right now if you want to be baptized. If you want to come to know Jesus today, it's not a big, long process. It's not difficult. You don't have to pay a cover charge. You don't have to say magic words. You don't have to, you know, make special hand gestures. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe. That's what Scripture says. All you have to simply do is believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so that you can live after you die. That's it. Simple. You believe that, and you're a follower of Christ. You're a Christian for all time. All time. Like, there's not a sin you can do tomorrow to undo that. Because if you could undo what Jesus did, that would make you more powerful than Jesus. And we've already established you're not God, so you can't do that. You cannot undo what he already did. So if you know Jesus, you know him forever. He's, you're his forever. He gives the illustration as no one can remove you from his hand. No one is strong enough to pry open the fingers of Jesus in which you sit. And so if you want to believe in Jesus today, the, the music team's going to come and they're going to sing. I'll be down here at the front. Micah's right over here as well. If you want to talk to Jesus, there he is. You can come and you can know Jesus today. And believe in him today. And you can even be baptized right now if you want to. And you can show the world that you're his. And we can take care of it. Settle it for all time right now in this moment. If you're watching online, there's a button. No matter where you're watching, our website, Facebook, YouTube, there's, on all of them, there's a button that says, I made a decision. If you click on that, there's a little form there. It's your name, email, phone number, whichever one you want, and then what your decision is. And then I, that goes to my email I will call you this afternoon and celebrate with you. Okay, so let's do this together. Let's make a decision for Jesus today. Let's find joy together today.